0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting. I am back this week to talk about button pushing. It's a topic that I talk about so much as you can imagine. We all have things that trigger us and this is one of the things that um, comes up in so many different ways and I was asked to cover as part of the podcast but in lots of different ways. So, we all know that children are able to push our buttons. And it's not necessarily intentional. They're not trying to wind us up. They're not thinking, oh, I know that will really work to get her really, really cross. More often than not, it's their way of communicating. They are doing something that they have learnt, maybe, that connects with us, that gets that connection from us, that tells us that they are struggling, that tells us that they are finding a particular situation really difficult or they're trying to avoid a situation. But so often the feeling we have that our buttons have been pressed, that we've been triggered, is the thing that overrides our response to the child. And that's not easy, is it? If we know that something winds us up in advance, it can be easier to handle it. So for example, you might know that table manners are one of those things that you get really frustrated about. That may be, you know, that if your child is eating with their mouth open or talking with their mouth full, that you get really frustrated with it. So you know, so you can go into that meal aware that that might be an issue and staying as calm as you can, you can give yourself tools that you can use to keep yourself calm when that's happening so that you don't end up maybe shouting at them because it's not acceptable or escalating a situation. And those are the easier triggers to deal with. I'm saying easier slightly hesitantly because I know that it's not always easy even if you know what winds you up, doesn't always stop you from being wound up from it. But I wanted to think about today particularly those things where we may not know in advance it winds us up or those times when for whatever reason we're struggling to keep ourselves calm. We are all human and there are days when we struggle to stay calm and relaxed in a moment because maybe we're tired, we're stressed, we're frustrated Or we can see that our child is lying to us, and we're finding that really hard to deal with because we don't understand where the lies come from, for example. And so we are naturally much more triggered. And that affects our response in the moment, and it affects how we connect and what we do with the child in terms of do we stay calm with them, do we get really angry with them, do we walk away. Do we take some deep breaths and show them that we can see how they're feeling? When we are triggered ourselves, it's also not easy to stop ourselves and calm down. Potentially, we've tripped into fight and flight, depending on the situation. So we've got automatic responses that are happening ourselves. So we have to learn ways that we can try and manage those as much as is possible. Now, Different things will trigger us in different ways, on different times, on different days of the week. Um, Different things might trigger you or your partner if you're parenting as a couple and, you know, and in different ways as well. And on one day, you might be able to stay really calm during a situation. I'm going to use table manners as the example today because it's one we probably all understand. But you might find one day you can sit really calmly through them, you know, eating with their mouth open, talking with their mouth full eating with their fingers and it doesn't bother you, or at least outwardly it doesn't bother you. But another day you might be much more tired and stressed and frustrated because of just life things and therefore it really frustrates you and you can feed yourself getting really cross and it comes out at the child. And your response doesn't help in that situation. But it's a totally understandable response. So what we want to do is try and think about in the moment how we are responding so that we can show the child we see what's going on for them. And by the way, as I'm talking through this, I'm not judging anybody for being triggered at times because 100% I get triggered at times. I can't stay calm all the time. I don't always react in the way that I want to. And I know I should do because I That's normal life. That's about being human. So make sure you are having compassion for yourself, whether you've got it right in inverted commas or wrong in inverted commas, because we're never going to be perfect all of the time. So when we're triggered, our response often becomes maybe more judgmental. More punitive. We might become more shouty more, um, why did you do that? More accusatory. And often these aren't intentional, but they're coming from a place of frustration, annoyance, fear even. And so we become more punitive. We want to try and not do that in the moment, because when we do that, we're not helping the situation. We're not helping our child. We're not helping ourselves. We're not helping our relationship with that child, our connection with that child, all of those things. If we can, in the moment, stop, take a breath, regulate ourselves and think, what does my child need from me right now? What's going on to cause this reaction in my child right now or to cause that behaviour or to cause them to do that thing right now? When we do that, when we take a breath, we're showing our child we can see them in that moment and what is going on for them. We're also raising our presence by showing them emotionally we're connected with them, that we can see them, that we understand them. So not only are we de-escalating a situation, but we're raising our presence hugely in the moment at the same time. And I know this isn't easy. Oh boy, do I know how hard this is sometimes. You know, if you have something that really, really frustrates you, it can be very, very hard to respond in a calm way. So, for example, if you know that. Your child has lied to you, you know, maybe they're standing there with chocolate all round their face, but swearing blind, they haven't eaten any chocolate. You know, they, no, no, mum, I didn't eat the chocolate. I haven't eaten the chocolate, but you've got chocolate all around your face, sweetheart. Can you tell me? how that's happened. No, I haven't eaten any chocolate. Well, it's round your face. Can you tell me what has happened? But mum, I didn't eat any chocolate, I promise you. And as you can see, that just escalates. You get more and more cross and actually you're not getting to the bottom of what's going on. They're starting to feel bad. You're starting to accuse them. They're starting to hear their negative narrative of themselves. You're starting to see a negative narrative. We've let their feelings their way of communicating what's going on for them override how we respond because we've been triggered by the way they've chosen to do that and I say chosen in a way in an understanding that it's often a subconscious choice it's not an active choice and so when we are in that situation actually if we can stop and say oh you seem to have eaten all the chocolate wow did you have fun was that did it taste nice we're connecting with them in a totally different way because if they're lying to hide the fact they've eaten it we need to understand what's going on there it's exactly the same as if in the mornings when you're trying to get shoes on to go out to school and they are being triggered and we say to them put your shoes on now put your shoes on now and we keep saying come on put your shoes on you need to put your shoes on And they're not doing it and they're getting slower and slower and maybe they're getting more and more angsty and we're getting crosser and crosser. And they are. We're not getting anywhere. There's a reason that they're not doing things. They're struggling. They're communicating. They're showing us they're struggling. What we're not doing in that situation is showing we can see their struggle. So if we can stop and take a breath and say, oh, wonder what's happening now? Wonder what they need. And then say to the child, "Do you know, I can see you're struggling. Would you like some help or would you like a hug or what could I do to help? Something like that, we're showing them we can see what's going on for them in the moment and we are changing how we respond. This works across the board. So as I talked about that example of lying, you know, if they're lying they're they're fearful of something. They're trying to hide something. They're trying to avoid a feeling or emotion or a situation. If they can't put their shoes on in the morning to go to school, there's something they're trying to avoid or tell you or show you or, you know, they're feeling that they're having. If they are, you know, just doing something at the table that they know is going to wind you up, what is it they're trying to show you? What is it they're trying to express? What is it they're trying to avoid possibly or hide from? All of these things, we need to think about what is sitting underneath there. And when we can, in that moment, take that breath and think about what they need in that moment, then we are able to raise our presence with them hugely. It also de-escalates brilliantly, but we're raising our presence with them. We're connecting with them. We're showing them that we can see that they're struggling in that moment and maybe even what they're struggling with. And when we do that over time, it, it creates that stronger bond, that sense of safety and security. And it means that over time, they're going to be able to talk to you more and express more and more to you without having to find other ways around of doing it. Because they will learn it's safe to talk to you. They will learn that it's OK to tell you what's going on or to say, yeah, sorry, mum, I have just nicked that bar of chocolate and eaten it all. And yeah, it did taste really, really nice. That's where we want to get to with our children. And of course, it takes time for some children a lot longer than others. But when they're pressing our buttons, instead of us getting really cross and saying, God, why do they keep doing this? It's driving me nuts. They've got to stop pressing my buttons. We need to think, "Okay, what is going on beneath this? Now, I'm not saying don't have a rant about it somewhere, whether that's, you know, I know that I have parents come into my membership group, the Connective Parenting Hub or into the free group and sometimes say, oh, I need to rant. Why are they doing this? It's driving me mad. Help. Arr. Of course, we need to get that off our chest. The important thing is we don't get it off our chest in front of our child, that in front of them, we take that step back and go, OK, what is it they're communicating with me now? What do they need? What emotion is sitting underneath this? Because when you do that, you build a stronger presence with them. You build a connection with them. And over time, they realise they don't need those things. So I know it's frustrating. I know that sometimes you're just like, oh, really? Again, they're pressing. Why do they do this? And, you know, kids are good at finding buttons to press. They always have been historically and they always will be. But it's how we respond as a parent. If we come from a place of connection and wanting to help, over time, they won't need to press those buttons to communicate because they'll know, they'll learn, they'll know they don't need to. So I hope this has made sense. I just I wanted to talk about this today because it's something, as I said at the start, that I talk about so often when I'm working with parents, whether it's in groups or one to one or through the memberships. And it often comes up. And I think we need to be really thinking, how can I help my child in the moment? And that's not selfish. It's about helping them. And that's also showing compassion for them and for yourself. How can I help me? How can I help my child in this moment? Because if we want to teach them compassion and love and understanding and presence and show them we're interested we need to be active in how we do it. And this is one way. So this is all for this week's episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting, an idea for you to think about and mull about. If you are not already in my free Facebook group and you'd like to join us, you're more than welcome. You can find it as um, Connective Parenting using NVR. That's the name of the group come and ask questions if you're not sure if you're struggling with any of this. If you're in the group and you're listening to this, ask questions. Um, And obviously, if you're one of the families I have the great privilege of working with on a one-to-one basis or through the hub, then, you know, we're probably already talking about this uh, in some way, shape or form. And if you're somebody who works with families on a professional basis and listening to this, see if you can help the families work through this because this isn't easy. We need to be non-judgmental. We need to support everybody. So as parents, we need to be supporting our friends and our family through this because not being triggered is not easy. And the more supportive and non-judgmental we can be, the more compassionate a society we can have. So that is it for this week's episode. I hope you're well and I look forward to seeing you next week.